Hello and welcome to episode number 38 of Play Me Tape, a show where we delve song by song into the music that means something. I'm joined as always by my good friend Darren. Oh, hello! <laughs> and my name is Jake. I don't know what that was. I don't either. <laughs> Who cares? It is what it is. <laughs> it's really difficult coming up with a new way to say hello every episode. It kind of is. I think about it, and, and that one was actually slated for the song that you'd originally chosen. I see. Uh, but I figured I'd keep it. Use nice. it anyway. Nice. Yeah. Good times. How you doing, buddy? Great. Very excited to talk about what you've got picked out today. Song I love. Me too, eh? She's a beauty. Yep. We've got some Canadian connection in here. There's a lot of good stuff. Before we get to that, I have somewhat of a list, because you know how much we love our lists here at love our Tape Podcast at gmail.com. See what I did there? Did you see that? I did. Nice. That's pretty good, right? Way, way to work in the email address. Good job. Seamless. You know, the other way you could seamlessly work this in is by providing a few reasons people might have to send email to said email address. True. Things like song choices, lists, whether you like us or not. That would be cool. Send us a message. Right. Yeah, I've got this list here. This is kind of a fun one. It's false facts about classic rock artists you always thought were true. Oh, no. Yeah. Fascinating. This is kind of fun. And maybe you know some of these. I don't know. You'll have to like let po- me know. Popular misconceptions? Yeah, this is myths. And it really doesn't tie in at all. Well, I'll explain it with the song choice this week, but... The first one is Keith Richards. Have you ever heard about when he was trying to kick heroin, traveling to Switzerland to get his blood swapped out? <laughs> oh, yeah, I've heard that. Have you ever story. heard this? Yeah. It's a pretty amazing story. It's just an oil change, but for blood. Oil change for blood. But it was him that started the myth. What? He, well, he had actually traveled to Switzerland to get an experimental blood purification process done. But the media was kind of asking and he got sick and tired of it. So he's like, how do you like my blood change? (laughs) And I guess he played it a little too straight. Everybody bought in and the rest is history, but it's completely untrue. Great story though. Oh yeah. You got to love it. And the whole Keith Richards thing, Keith Richards cannot be killed by conventional (laughs) weapons. Exactly. He's an amazing guy. I can't believe this dude is still alive. It seems wild. If you've done any reading on that guy in his life, it seems counterintuitive that he is still alive. Yeah, the joke is, right, that he's essentially been pickled. Yeah, he's immortal. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll find out in the next decade or so. Yeah. We'll see. The next one is Stevie Nicks. And you talked about this in the Tusk episode, mm-hmm. that there was a lot of cocaine being okay. passed around. And apparently... Stevie Nicks had done so much coke, it had eaten a large hole through her nose. Okay. I don't know why I'm laughing. I assume I'm laughing because it's untrue. I hope it's untrue because I'm really laughing. She was unable to snort properly. So she put it up her butt. (laughs) As you do. I mean, what else are you going to do? You're going to put it in your butt. Right. Obviously. This being a list about myths, completely untrue. But what a great story. Yeah. The crazy thing is, she does admit to having the hole in her nose. 
Oh, that part is factual. Oh, I assume that was part of the myth. <sighs> no, that is actually true. Oh, man. Isn't that crazy? That's a lot of coke. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, the hole was so big that, that she kind of joked that she could put a belt through it. God. Yeah. Yikes. Awkward. That's a lot of coke, dude. <laughs> I cannot imagine what these rock stars' lives were like. It's pretty amazing. Next one is Gene Simmons. Uh-oh. The tongue. All right. Have you ever heard the, the myth that he had his tongue? The cow tongue. The cow tongue? <laughs> Stapled on, yeah. Dude, who who believes this? <laughs> Come on. Know. I don't like, know. Like, seriously? I don't know. Because that, that would just work no problem. That It would just oh, blend yeah. right in. Yeah, tongue swap. I mean, a cow <laughs> tongue is like a pound and a half. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's quite pointed either. Yeah. But it's a great myth. And the fact it, that people actually yeah. believed it is well, incredible to me. The fact that he, he and his life are so insane that people felt a need to add additional fake information <laughs> when yeah. he's the Mount Rushmore of crazy. Like, there's just so much in that guy's history that's just so, really? <laughs> that can't be true. Oh, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. That's a crazy one. Yeah. Completely untrue, obviously. Next, I'd never heard of this one. This one's interesting. The fact that if you play Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd and oh, The yeah. Wizard of Oz at the same yep. time, they, they sync, sync up, up perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> you've heard, so you've heard of this? Absolutely. They used to do this at the planetarium every Dark year. Dark Side right of here. the Rainbow? Really? Right, yeah, right here in town they used to do that. Yeah, well, it's completely untrue. Some of it does well, apparently sync up. Yes, and it's it's a few small moments, and it's entirely coincidental. And the yeah. entire rest of the album has no bearing on any visual that you're looking at at any time. But there exactly. are a few moments where things that are said lyrically tie in with what's going on. Just a few brief flashes. Yeah, they, they do talk about certain sections that do sort of match up, but it's completely yeah. coincidental. And, and you, you have to start it at a specific point point when yeah it's the third roar of the mgm lion yeah it's really specific when you have to start it and do it yeah yeah crazy but it makes for a cool story it does absolutely it's been a story that's been around for decades i can't believe i i'd never heard that before that was a new one this one i have heard of before the phil collins in the oh, air tonight of course yeah you know about this right yeah the urban legend about what yeah. Yeah. He saw somebody drown and another guy not helping. So he called him out at a concert. And I'd heard this. It's a great story. It's an amazing story. Completely untrue. Totally false. Yeah. Completely false. Do you know what the song is actually about? You know, I don't. Yeah. I'd never gotten past that crazy myth. Essentially nothing. Essentially, it's about the negative feelings he was... It, it, None of it applies in any concrete way. There's no narrative to that song. There's no story that's being told. It's just the lyrics were, from what I understand, this aggregation of these these negative feelings brought on by the divorce. Right. That he was going through at the time. Yeah. He wrote a lot of stuff because of that. Yeah. So I don't think there's any concrete meaning to the lyrics. I don't think if you're looking for a story of any kind, there's nothing there like that. It's just him lashing out broadly and in generally and maybe specifically at the ex-wife but maybe not maybe it's just negative feelings ahoy yeah great story love it great song what a what a fantastic song best drum fill ever yeah you got it 10 drum hits 
Best, yeah. Best drum hit ever. Best drum fill ever. The next story is, do you know who Mama Cass is? I'm sure you do. Of course, do. yeah. From the Mamas and the Papas. Is this about a ham sandwich? This is about the ham sandwich. that She died from choking on a ham sandwich. Apparently, this was completely untrue. I guess whoever did the investigating, the detective, mm-hmm. apparently there was a sandwich, but she hadn't touched it. Right. In close proximity, there was a sandwich. That yeah. Was not the culprit. But the guy said... It was a non-murderous sandwich. Unbelievable. Apparently, she had a heart attack. Okay. Caused by crash dieting. Oh, Jesus. It wasn't one of the many situations where it was vomit drowning related. No, heart attack. Wow. Brought upon by years of dangerous crash dieting. Poor girl. California Dream is still one of my favorite songs. Amazing song. Love the Mamas and the Papas. Next one is Roy Orbison. Okay. Everybody thought he was blind because of the glasses. (laughs) amazing come on yeah how long did that last oh geez they're saying that that even 30 years after his death it's still brought up very often that roy arbison oh yeah he was blind get out he wasn't he just wore real dark glasses (laughs) it was a trademark and he well into his later life he dyed his hair jet black to match the jet black glasses but i'm gonna be honest that guy was not a dancer on stage. He was very stiff and very still. I can kind of see that if I've actually, if you've seen his live performances, he didn't move around a lot. He didn't no. move his head around a lot. He was very, very static when he was performing. You're saying he was very Stevie Wonder-ish? <laughs> Stevie Wonder moves around way more. Than yeah, he does. That's true. Way more. Yeah, good point. I think he does. Apparently he started with the glasses because he thought he looked like a dork. And he thought huh. the glasses would make him look like a rock star. So he got these extra dark glasses and he put them on and it made him look cool. And So he wore that look right yeah. into the ground. Yep, he sure did. And everybody, everybody thought he was blind. There are some artists for whom the look is so ingrained that they can't give it up. Robert Smith of The Cure. Yeah. I remember in the 80s seeing the videos and he would have the hair teased out in all directions and the poorly applied red lipstick just smeared across his lips (laughs) and you see him performing he's still touring and he still looks he's still doing his hair the same way he's a much much older man and it's obvious that he's a much older man and he he looks very different from his as we all do but he looks very different from his younger self and he's still got the lipstick and he's still doing the hair and it that's the look and he's never going to give it up what do you mean we all do you, you look phenomenal. I'm, I look the same. I apologize. I, I apologize. might even look better. How dare you? All right, you son of a bitch. <laughs> We're not all in that camp. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I look terrible. <laughs> so next up is the Aussie story. And you know, everybody knows the Aussie story, right? Biting the head off the bat. Yeah. He thought it was a toy. Yeah. And so he bit the head off and immediately recognized the mistake. And he was like, oh, F me. I didn't just go and eat an effing bat, did I? Yeah. (laughs) And they rushed him to the hospital to get rabies shots. Yeah. Yeah, he was not cool with it at all. This was not the whole Prince of Darkness thing. It was purely accidental. Yeah. Did it ever stick? I'm also fond of the Texas story. (laughs) Are you familiar with the Texas story? No. The San Antonio story? No. Have you ever been to San Antonio, Texas? I have not. 
There's a pretty big, fairly important landmark oh, there. Oh, is this when he peed on the Alamo? You got it, Pontiac. Yeah, right. It's just a structure, and it's an old structure, but it was close enough to the sidewalk. It's not set... I've been there, and from what I remember, it's not set very far back from the actual street, and it's this very, very old structure, but it's just another building, and he was stumbling along drunk and approached what he just saw as a building and began to pee and the police were on him very quickly yeah no doubt i'm sure that story i've heard that story yeah i'm guessing that he didn't obviously intend to pee on the alamo no absolutely not he was blind drunk he had no idea where he was or what he was doing or what the significance of the bill he's an englishman what does he know about the alamo and its significance to texans you know he had no idea so does he get a pass because he was hammered i think they rushed him quickly out of the state yeah no (laughs) doubt i don't remember but the, the funny thing is these are now two aussie stories that we've told we're doing a list of stories that are not true and both of these are actually true. The bat story is true. Yeah, it's it is. just the framing around it is the myth, is the fiction. The fiction is that it was intentional. He still did the act. It was just yeah. a lot more unintentional than the, the myth would have you believe. Yeah, he thought it was a rubber toy. Crazy. Have you seen the movie The Dirt, the Motley Crue story? Not yet, but I'd like to. Okay, so I won't ruin the scene for you with Ozzy. Ooh. But you should watch it. I absolutely will. It's not a great movie. Easy. But it's interesting, for sure. You're not selling it to me. You're not selling I'm a big crew guy, so it's it's oh, funny I to see. see the story. But I think they... You've got a high standard, is what you're saying, for crew no, and crew-related material. No, I wouldn't say that. I, I wouldn't see. say that my standards are high. I'm just... The movie, there's a lot of shock value to it, I think, for the sake oh, of shock gotcha. value. Gotcha, gotcha. So, but whether or not... But there was the a lot Aussie... of shocking stuff in those guys' lives. Oh, so, 100%. I mean, follows. I read the book. The book Dirt, which is fantastic. Right. Some of the stories are incredible. But yeah, you got to watch it. The yeah. the Aussie scene is, yeah, it's really neat. <laughs> anyway, so those are the stories. Those are the myths that I found. There's more. Do you have any others that you know? I've got one that, that didn't come up here. Oh, yeah, go ahead. The time the band Pavement visited the set of 90210 and got into a fist fight with Jason Priestley. Shut up. Well, it never happened, <laughs> but that was something that they glibly told a reporter and it got printed and it got reprinted and it became in the indie music press. It became this story that was very, very well known. Never occurred. They'd never been to the set of, why would they be on the set of 902? <laughs> Good question. It doesn't make any sense. I thought that sounded odd. Yeah. Well, it sounded odd because it was odd because it never happened. None of it. Was it for publicity? Is that where they did it? No, I think they were probably on a press junket and were just sick of answering the same questions. And one of them just started okay. riffing, I think. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the time I was on the set of 90210. <laughs> and exactly. I, I started a fight with Ian Ziering and I stole yeah. his Corvette. Right, and his toupee. Oh, <laughs> ouch. Does he wear a toupee? Really? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that's what I'm talking about. That's a terrible rumor. That's a horrible oh, accusation. Poor I don't know where that's Ian. Who said that? Who's talking right now? Wow. You're an evil person. I'm sorry. Poor bald Ian. <laughs> Ian. Whatever the wow. hell his name is. Wow. Who knows? Anywho, that was a good list. I love stories like that. I mean, super fun. It's almost a shame when you learn that the story's not real. 
the Phil Collins thing, I think I rode that for a long time. Like I was telling that story at parties. Oh, you know that song in the air tonight? Yeah, well, here's the story. Oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> but what are you going to do? And we all do it. We all hear it. We all repeat it. That's, yeah. that's how those, that's how urban legends begin. And yeah, that's how absolutely. urban legends are propagated across generations even. There's all kinds of stuff that you hear all the time that is blatantly false, that is just a complete fabrication or is you know, just not factually accurate. And you hear people parroting it without even giving it a thought all the time. Well, I think with the internet, it happens more and more and more. Especially with the internet. the So much garbage. The, the fact that was made up entirely to prove this was the, we all eat eight spiders a year in our sleep. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> Of course. All humans eat an average of eight spiders in their sleep a year. And it's it was a complete fabrication strictly to prove this point that people will see an interesting factoid, repeat it, and it will, again, be propagated that way outwards across popular culture. And you saw that fact about spiders. That thing circulated for years before the people that started it finally came clean and said, okay, all right, we're kidding, we're kidding. Years, years that circulated. That's a good one. I had no idea. I, I'm sure I've heard that and probably yep. echoed it. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. Why check facts? Pfft, that's not interesting. <laughs> well, and it's, it's especially unnerving when you see things like that, that are printed in publications that should know better. Yeah. It's fine when it's a friend of a friend told me or, you know, my cousins, uncles, sisters, <laughs> neighbors well dude college roommate let me tell you that leads in very very well you're good at these segue things that leads in very well to this week's band and song choice. not necessarily the song choice but yeah i guess the song choice because that's why the song was written the song barracuda by heart is my song choice this week the reason that song was written is because their record label released an ad that looked like a tabloid and it implied that the Wilson sisters, Anna and Nancy, had an incestuous relationship. Oh, come on. Yep. And Wilson was so upset by it that she wrote this song. She wrote Barracuda. Wow. The album cover that the song Barracuda is on is Dreamboat Annie. And the two of them are on there and they've got... It's like Renaissance Fair era gear. No, this one, they're, uh, I think Dreamboat Annie is um, their oh, shoulders. The, they're they're, the they're just album. touching bare shoulders. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's the first album. Right. And so the ad kind of in a tabloid sort of way said, oh, you know, they had this relationship. It only happened one time. Of course, the sisters lost their minds. They were two women that were trying to make a name for themselves in the music industry. In a male-dominated music yeah. industry. And they were trying to be taken seriously. And yeah, wow. Pretty crazy. I know how we can sell more more records. Sex. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how you want to do that? Two very attractive women. I'm sure it wasn't hard to sell. Yeah. They were not happy about it. Why don't we give the song a listen? And when we come back, we can chat about it sound good yeah so hey jake yes darren play me tape
that was Barracuda by Heart. Uh, I don't know that I have a, a ton to say about this song. I really don't think I do other than I love it. And that's it. I, I love this song and I always have. I really like Heart. I have a couple other albums. I've got some of the early stuff. I've got the 80s stuff. I really like Heart and I always have. And if you hadn't gotten to them this episode, I would have probably made them the subject of one of my future episodes just because they're incredible. And her voice, so incredible, so powerful. We've talked before about their cover of Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven, which is mind-blowing. Just really, really incredible. And it wasn't recorded that many years ago. So it really says something about her voice and its staying power. She's still, as of a few years ago, she still has a, an incredibly powerful voice. She still has the pipes. She still has the pipes, yeah. And that's not an easy thing, apparently, because so many of the older bands that you encounter, the, the lead singer, that's usually what goes, right? The musicians can still play, but the singer has a tough time. Set up a register. Ann Wilson, she can still sing. Yeah. Now, we had talked about in the Def Leppard episode that I'd seen them in 2014, and that was a gigantic, monstrous lie right. because my, my memory is total garbage. It was right. actually 2011, yeah. which okay. blew my mind when I saw that. So that was a decade ago. I can't even look at you with your lies. Sorry. Sorry. My fault. I can leave. Just continue. Would you just continue, you liar? <laughs> you son of a... It was 2011 and heart opening for Def Leppard, and... Ann Wilson was phenomenal. Nancy Wilson on guitar, phenomenal. They sounded yes, amazing. Also, Nancy Wilson, underrated guitarist, I think. Yes, definitely. This song specifically is such a cool song. The guitar in this song is brilliant. Yes. That gallop. I always wondered, and I never really, I had never confirmed it, but Nancy Wilson actually in an article that I had read said they actually stole it from Nazareth in This Flight Tonight, the Joni Mitchell cover. Yeah, okay. They had actually toured a little bit. I, I never put that together. Yeah, they had actually toured a little bit with Nazareth, and they kind of got the idea from that song. And when they saw Nazareth again after the song was released, they're like, you stole our riff. But nobody really did anything about it, and they used it because they loved it. Yeah. And it works, man. This song is a killer. Is it that similar? I think it is. I think it's very similar. I, I haven't heard the Nazareth song in a long time. If you listen to them side by side, is it is it really? It's just that gallop. It's just that, you know, that it sounds like a horse yeah. galloping. Yeah, yeah. Hence the name. It is fantastic. Seeing them live was pretty incredible. And they were still phenomenal musicians. I know they had some fights and stuff like that in recent years, but they're back together and I think they're still touring, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. I think they, I think they were kind of fighting for two or three years. They were. Yeah, for sure. But they've sorted things out, which is good. But as far as the song goes, yeah, I mean, we, we touched on it beforehand that here's this label mushroom records and they decide to release this ad to kind of push the album and talk about the sisters being in an incestuous relationship. They were pissed. I can't even imagine how they would have worded that. I'm, I, it's not that I don't believe you. I got to go look this up when we're done recording because that is fascinating. It's worth looking up. How could you have tastefully worded that so that it was, was it 
a magazine article or was it like a press release to radio stations? Any idea? It was actually an advertisement okay. for the album. And it was done in such a way that it looked like it was in the, the front of a tabloid newspaper. Look it up. It's pretty incredible. It's weird. And what had happened is an, a reporter, I don't even think they knew about it. A reporter actually approached Ann Wilson and said, how's your lover? Would you care to comment? And she's like, oh, he's great. And the guy's like, no, no, no. I mean your sister. Your sister. She's like, pardon? And it was at that moment that she she sat down and wrote the song. She said she wrote it while she was enraged. What an utterly brutal way to find out something yeah. already so brutal. So they bailed from that label. They went with a different label, released the record. Is that why they left Mushroom? Yeah. And then Mushroom actually released the album unfinished against Hart's wishes. Right. And it was a big disaster. And you got to feel for them because it had to be hard enough to be women in the music industry at that time. And like I had said, you know, they were attractive women and I'm sure they were not taken seriously by most music executives and they had to fight their way through and an extremely talented band. Yeah. And it must've been so frustrating to never be taken seriously. You want to play rock and roll like Led Zeppelin? You're crazy. Yeah. Don't you want to play folk? Don't, don't you want to be soft? And yeah, that no, was really the no, thought. We, we was, want to rock. Let us rock. Yeah. What are you doing with this rock music? Stop it. Quite clearly. To me, Ann Wilson has one of the greatest rock voices in classic rock history. One of the great voices. Like, yeah, yeah. Setting yeah. aside the genre in which she sings. Good Lord. Yeah. Super talented band. The reason why I fell in love with this song is for completely different reasons. You assumed it was about a car? I assumed it was about the car. And me being a huge Mopar fan, Dodge, Chrysler, whatever, <laughs> mo muscle cars back in the day, I just assumed she was singing about the Barracuda. I assumed it was a guy done her wrong. Yeah. You know, in a relationship sort of a way, not in a business or a complete betrayal by record label sort of a way. Yeah, and I think that fits, right? You you can kind of put the song into yeah. that scenario and it makes perfect sense. Easily open enough to interpretation to... I was like seven years old, so I was just happy they were singing about one of <laughs> right. my favorite cars. I still remember listening to this song while I was playing with my, my slot cars and just loving it. And, and I had a Barracuda slot car. Wow. And so it was just the greatest thing in the world. It was like world. the clouds opened up and the sun was shining just on you and your slot cars in that moment. It wasn't until years later that I actually realized what the song was about and paid attention to the lyrics. Oh, well, songs that we approach at that age, I mean, how much critical thinking do we really aim at those songs? We just take Zero. it as, yeah, we just take it for what it was. All I heard was, ooh, Barracuda. And I was hooked. Yeah. Every time I saw a Barracuda or a Cuda on the street, I was singing that song in my head. Was the car discontinued by the time the song was written? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. So at no point did Chrysler come knocking on their door to use it in no. advertising. <laughs> because that would be the logical step, right? Yeah, totally. It would have made sense, right? I'm sure Chrysler was disappointed at that point that they weren't selling a Barracuda. But it died in 74. That was the last Cuda. Yeah, it's too bad. But the song has been used in movies and at the Sarah Palin 
she used the song oh, for right. her campaign. Yes. Oh, boy. Did they ask her to stop? Yes. Hart said, we do not believe in what Sarah Palin believes in. We do not agree with this. Please stop using our song. This is terrible. Can you not? <laughs> but consider the irony in Sarah Palin using that song and using it in politics, talking yeah. about barracudas. Yeah. So they kind of laughed about it. And one of the other band members that helped co-write the song, he's like, oh, no, go ahead, use it. It's amazing the fact that they don't see the irony in it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sarah Palin's campaign team paid for the rights. And so they could use it, even at Hart's request to not use it, to not be affiliated with her. Wow. Didn't matter. They, she wasn't stopping. And it's also been used in quite a few movies. They, I read an article that talked about anytime you see a, a woman kicking ass, they play Barracuda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you know, but today is International Women's Day. I did not know that. Yeah. So what an amazing song and what an amazing band lines up to celebrate. Nicely. It sure does. Um, super, super impressive band. And the other thing I learned through all of this is, you know, they only had two number one hits. Did I know that? I'm not sure I did. It really surprised me. I would have thought they had a lot more because a lot of their songs get radio play. And there was pretty much two versions of Heart. There was the 70s kind of hard rock version, and then there was the 80s pop version. The 80s, yeah. The look was still rock. Yeah, it wasn't so rock. <laughs> I get what you're saying. But one of the reasons that maybe it didn't sound as rock as the earlier material was, they weren't writing a lot of the 80s material. Yeah, true. The label forced on them a lot of, prefab songs which was another thing that they felt really boxed in by that they didn't yeah, oh, have yeah. the power or the authority to stand up to it now it's a real internal conflict because i love some of those songs some of their 80s sure. hits are amazing the two number one hits yeah to know that they weren't necessarily happy about performing or about having to perform those songs rather than songs that they themselves wrote is a little heartbreaking it's like finding out that John Cusack hated the movie Better Off Dead. How do you hate the movie Better <laughs> Off Dead? You're crushing me, John Cusack. Ann Wilson has talked about that era and being really disappointed with their creative output. Yeah. And yet that was paying the bills. Yeah. One of their most successful eras. Yeah. Well, the song Alone and Beauty. These Dreams. Beauty. The thing I didn't know is that the song These Dreams, which is one of their number one hits the lead singing was done by nancy wilson not ann that's right yeah one of the few really surprised me the fact that they only had two number one hits and on one of them ann wilson wasn't even the lead singer yeah pretty incredible they're a really interesting band the fact that they're still around they're still playing they've been releasing albums as much as possible i think they've got an album in the works there's also a biopic in the works Oh, that'd be good. Which I think will be really, really good. A fascinating subject. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever paid any attention to the number of people that have played in the band Heart with <laughs> no. the Wilson sisters. Just a revolving door of other people. Truly. I'm assuming. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. I, yeah. I lost count. After, after like 20 people, I was like, okay, whatever. I know that for the first few albums, there was a pretty stable core of musicians because yeah. at least one of them was, there were relationships. There was 
Yes. There was in-band relationships. And the Canadian connection is that in their early years, they they worked out of Vancouver briefly. Oh, really? Yeah. Am I wrong about that? I'm pretty sure I'm no, wrong. No, no, no. No, I think you're right. I think was Mushroom, well, in fact, was Mushroom a Canadian label? They might have been oh, a Canadian label. Good question. I don't yeah. know. I didn't actually look into anything about Mushroom Records because when I heard what a bunch of a-holes they were, <laughs> I moved on. Oh my God. I just, you would have, I, that, that part is news to me. And I just, what was, what could the logic possibly have been? I mean, we know what the logic was. Sex sells. I, we said it earlier, but just baffling, baffling decision for someone to have made. So I quickly looked it up here and apparently Mushroom Records was a Canadian independent record label founded in Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah. And they were, it was two brothers whose names were Wink and Dick. Yikes. Pretty awesome. Yikes. Yeah. I, I can't for the life of me figure out why a label would do that. I, I don't get it. So Mushroom Records had Chilliwack. Oh, also. Chilliwack. Chilliwack. Oh. Doucette. Who doesn't love Doucette? Do I know? Do I know <laughs> no. Doucette? No. No, nobody, right. nobody cares. <laughs> do you know Doucette? I do. They, they have a song that plays on the local rock station. And every time it comes on, I think I change the station. Oh, ouch. Doucette. Damn it. Yeah, no, not great. Was Harlequin that's about one of it. No Harlequin? Sadly, no. Oh. It would have been a real feather in their cap. I'm happy that Harlequin wasn't because who knows what they would have wrote about them. Right. Yeah, it's funny that Hart would have ended up on that label. Because you go wherever the money is or wherever somebody's willing to take you on and, and make records. It's where they were living at the time. It's where they got their foot in the door. It makes sense. Yeah, they're from Seattle, so it does make sense. But from what I remember, they came up to Vancouver for some reason. It wasn't to sign with Mushroom. They, were, they, they signed with Mushroom while already living in Vancouver. Hmm. I could be wrong about that. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm, I'm going to go. See my <laughs> No, I think you're right. I th think they had moved to Vancouver at one point, which is amazing. Probably to dodge the draft. <laughs> yeah. the I'm just going to keep making inflammatory accusations about everybody it, I can see? think of. The whole myth thing, you know, Ann Wilson's wig. Yeah. Ian Zaring's wig. <laughs> Apparently, the first album was made in Vancouver at, yeah. at Mushroom Studios. Due to Vietnam. Entirely due to Vietnam. Yeah, entirely. 100%. If they hadn't have done that album, moved to, to Canada, they would have ended up in Vietnam. I'm guessing Nancy Wilson would have been a, a good shot. You heard it here first. Yeah. Great job, Hart. <laughs> Way to dodge the draft. This is one of those songs for me that I, I lived... A large part of my life, never knowing the meaning of yeah, being a car guy and having a song that <laughs> referenced the name of a car was just the best thing in the world for me. Yeah. I can't even tell you. I was probably in my 20s before I realized what it was actually about. And I, I was super disappointed. You're probably not aware of this because I, I haven't really mentioned it or talked about it very much, but I do enjoy concept albums about space really yeah hmm. i know it's a shocker are there such things however with cars as the subject are there car concept albums do you have like favorite car concept albums no oh that's a crusher that's a no. disappointment why aren't we no. writing the great car concept album because we're musically useless it's a good point it's a good argument yeah yeah 
Fair. Yeah. Fair. Fair argument. Fair argument there. There hasn't been much crossover for me with my love of cars and my love of music. Like I don't seek out necessarily. You know, we did the uh, we did the Metallica episode with the song Fuel. And it's not that I don't enjoy a good car song. Right. But I don't actually go looking, looking for, for them. them. Yeah. For some odd reason. I don't know that I've ever put two and two together and realized that. Yeah. Until just this moment where you've called me out. You've, you're familiar with the um, Primal Scream song based on no. The Vanishing Point? Yeah, I think you've played it for me. Yeah. At some point. So matching together really great music with one of your all-time favorite car movies, just nothing. It was just nothing. I don't know. I can't yeah. remember. See, my memory's kicking my ass again. I'm <laughs> sure you've played that for me, but I can't even think about the song. I'm trying to think about other stuff, and I can't. I never went searching for car-specific stuff. There was a song... It, oh. That's really funny, because you seem to get such a rush from it, but then to not pursue it. Yeah. No, it's true. I never did. I never, I never hunted that stuff down. It's like I've kept those things completely, like, mutually exclusive. Yeah, just isolated from one another. My love of cars and my love of music. And, of course, I love listening to music while I'm driving. I love listening to music while I'm working on my car. But it's not like I say, other than that CD that we had made to, as a, kind of a hype CD before we went drag racing, but it, that wasn't even, you know, all specifically car songs. It was just hype songs. Yeah. But if you found out there was an epic concept album about, I don't know, the storyline. The, okay, focus. Picture this. The storyline of like Days of Thunder, but set to an album in a concept album. Hmm. Blow your mind or you're just, I, I don't know if I'm interested. I don't know if I'm interested. Wow. Yeah. Isn't now that My funny? mind is blown. I don't know. Wow. I, I don't I don't know that it translates well. I don't know that car stuff translates well. I'm not even a big science fiction guy, you know that. Yeah. But man, twenty one twelve? That whole spacey concept album thing, I love it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if a I'm sure it, it exists, but there are a lot of car songs and I know we did that list that was just terrible. <laughs> and I've kind of come up with some other stuff afterwards, but None of it's very good. Right. I almost want to keep Barracuda as my car song. Regardless of what it's actual. Yeah. Because I, I've never really paid much attention to the lyrics. And all I need to hear is that, ooh, Barracuda. And it just takes me back to the car. So I think I'm okay with that. I don't need to necessarily know what it means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's always been a car song for me. And that's the allure. It becomes what it meant to you. Rather than the intent of the author. Yeah, it's so true. I've never really thought about it in that way before, but it kind of totally makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. Holy cow, I've never, ever sat down and started seeking out car songs. But I think cars for me, in movies, in songs, TV shows, they always screw it up <laughs> in my eyes. They never, ever get stuff right. Are there lyrics specifically you can think of where, where people got car stuff wrong, factually? Not that I not <laughs> yeah. that I can come up with right now. I mean, obviously, you know the movie stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. You've been very vocal about things that happen in Holy movies that you just think, moly. oh my. Yeah. You've watched Cobra Kai, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, some of the stuff. I mean, LaRusso dealerships and they're talking about cars and stuff. It's just a facepalm moment every time somebody talks about it. Even the Johnny Lawrence character, when he, he gets a challenger or whatever, but he's walking through the lot and he points at, at a car and calls it a Forester when it's actually an Outback. It makes me want to throw up. I'm disgusted by that stuff. You can't get the name of the car right. And yet... It's right there. It's on the back of the car. At one point, they praise him. He gets praised for his knowledge of cars. Yeah, everybody knows about cars. Every guy knows about cars. You idiot. You don't even know a Forester from an Outback. So I think maybe that's why I've stayed away from the car stuff with music. I don't know. I can't think of a specific thing. I know Bruce Springsteen writes about car stuff and motorcycle stuff, and there's been songs, but man, so many people get it so wrong. I just kind of write it off. I just assume that people are going to screw it up. You know what I mean? What's the most egregious movie for that? Is it Fast and the Furious? The original Fast and Furious is, is horrendous for that. There's so many, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a car movie. It's just where there's a car reference. I know you know that movie by heart. Give me an example. Give me an example of dialogue where they just got it dead wrong. There's a drag race fairly early in that movie where the Paul Walker character, he's driving a Mitsubishi Eclipse, and they have this drag race where, my God, it's supposed to be a quarter mile, but I think they drive for about 10 minutes. Because <laughs> there's all the cuts. There's a million edits. And they show him shifting like 17 times. Yeah, yeah. And there's a computer that comes up that, danger to manifold. <laughs> and then at the end, they talk but about- But hang on, just because people haven't heard you rage about this like I have, explain <laughs> explain why that's wrong. Explain why the computer display and-, and... Because it just doesn't happen that way. There's no- there's nothing that comes up. There would not be nothing on your computer that would say, danger to manifold. And you also wouldn't have time to be pushing buttons and stuff. And then his floorboard falls down and there's just, there's so many things wrong in that scene. And then afterwards they're having a conversation and Vin Diesel is telling Paul Walker that he wasn't double clutching like he should have been. Because <laughs> he was driving an 18 wheeler. Oh my God. And that's exactly right. You don't double clutch. I mean... We have what's called synchromesh transmissions, which means we don't have to double clutch. And I'm not going to get into what double clutching is, but you sure as hell don't double clutch during a drag race. You speed shift, but you don't double clutch. I'm writing this script. Someone tell me some <laughs> car phrases. Someone tell me some jargon. And this has always been my argument. They have to come up with lines of dialogue. And there's a choice made in those lines of dialogue. Either we can get it right or we can get it wrong. Why does it have to be wrong? They're saying it anyway. Most people don't know what the hell they're talking about anyway. So what does it matter to the audience if it's right or wrong? Right. Just don't treat us car people like we're morons. It drives me bonkers that they can't get the dialogue right. Even in the movie Ford versus Ferrari, they just don't quite get it right. I wonder why they can't hire somebody to just clean up that dialogue. It makes no sense to me. It's terrible. I walked yeah. out of that movie, that Ford versus Ferrari movie, so upset that they screwed so much of it up. 
and they're just embellishing for the sake of it being Hollywood. Oh, well, we've got to make this sound impressive. Well, it already does. If you if you just say it correctly, don't tell a bunch of lies and crap. <laughs> I think I've told you before, there's the movie The Art of Racing in the Rain. Yeah. And it's one of the best that's been made in the last 20 years, if not longer. In terms of accuracy. Because they hired a factory Porsche driver who is also a photographer who also knows his car stuff. And they consulted him and they made sure that the car stuff was correct. And it's such an enjoyable movie for a car guy like me because of it. I would have written the movie off if it was a bunch of car garbage, like in so many movies. But it's so good. The irony is they made a car movie that was very, very true to car people. And that was the movie Le Mans with Steve McQueen. Yeah, Steve McQueen. It was a massive flop. Nobody cared. They made a car movie for car people. Starring a gigantic star. It ruined his career. Yeah. Maybe Hollywood is a little skittish because of it. We know someone who was approached for feedback on a script that was made into a movie. Sylvester Stallone Drive. We know someone who was approached who was faxed the script or portions of the script to that movie because of his expertise in cars and racing. And he offered feedback saying, this is incorrect. This would not happen the way that it happened. This is something which would never happen. I think the sequence where his partner is in trouble and he spins the car around and is driving in the wrong direction backwards against traffic on a race course to assist his partner, he said that would like it wouldn't even occur to someone to do that. It's so absurd. And it didn't matter. They just want to make the movie that they were already making. And they disregarded, I think, every single point that he made. They ended up leaving as it was and disregarded all of it. One of the worst car movies ever made because of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. The original Fast and Furious is is legendary for all that crap. But you still find it a fun movie. Oddly enough, you still enjoy that movie. I love the franchise. Yeah. I watched one yesterday. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> and it was terrible. But I still love it. It's still yeah. fun. Yeah. The fact that they started by street racing and now they're saving the world, jumping out of airplanes and stuff makes <laughs> yeah, me laugh. that's right. Yeah. I'm pretty amazing. sure the next one is going to be in space. <laughs> Where else can they go, right? Yeah. Anyway, that's getting way off in the weeds. It's okay. We do that. Heart, Barracuda, that's the song. Love it. Uh, how did it chart? 11. Okay was on the charts for 20 weeks solid yeah not bad yeah i would have assumed it would have been close to number one yeah it's such an iconic song dude 11 is no slouch like let's not talk about 11 like that's it's a big deal yeah yeah it's a big deal and i mean 20 weeks on the charts is very solid yeah It, it also seems strange to us because we know how frequently that song is still played on radio so it doesn't seem like it's pop culture impact really lines up with its chart placement. And I get yeah. that. It makes total sense. I mean, that the amount of airtime that gets today, incredible. And rightly so. It deserves to get it. So it, it's a little funny to look back and see it didn't reach number one. But again, I mean, 11 is no slouch. It's also a, the time, right? I don't know. I don't. Could a female-fronted hard rock band get to number one in 1977? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were just kind of held back a little bit. I don't know. That's purely speculation, but 
kind of seems like it's a possibility that they weren't taken seriously Mm -hmm. and maybe held back a little bit. Thankfully, no one questions them now in the slightest. Yeah. I'm surprised you're a heart fan. Oh, love the heart. Yeah. Love it. Just because of your background with music, I wouldn't think that this would line up at all. I know they're super talented. I know they're great. I don't know why. I think it's the 80s hits that pulled me in. I think, but I don't know. I have no idea. I, I don't have a lot of specific memories. Their music is simply something that was always there. It was just background radiation to my life. And I can't explain it any better than that. I don't know. I couldn't tell you when I first heard one of their songs. I couldn't tell you which song it was. I just, for some reason, I think it was middle school and I think it was 80s hits. I think it was uh, Never and These Dreams and, and that string of hits that I probably first came to. And it's great stuff. I didn't, I didn't own any of their albums. I just loved it when I heard it. Radio videos. Those videos got a lot of play. Yeah, they sure did. They were pretty elaborate videos. Some of them, for sure. There's a song that I hear on the radio when I'm at work, on the little at-work station, and they're doing the song alone. It's a cover. Yeah. So their stuff is clearly still relevant. Amazing band, amazing song. And if you've never, ever paid any attention to heart, you really should. Agreed. Go and seek out, even if it's just their hits. They are a phenomenally talented band maybe a little ahead of their time. I have to say, I think that's one of my regrets. I've never seen them live and I would like to. I think I would like to. Yeah, they were good. The only issue with that show was the fact that they were an opening band, right? So they don't get the full stage. They don't get the same attention. It's still light out. Yeah. But they were still amazing. They still blew me away. And of course, the seats are still half empty. Oh, that sucks. To me, they're not getting the respect they deserve. Yeah, that's fair. In a situation where they're opening up for somebody like Def Leppard. They should no. be co-headlining, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Not just a, a throwaway opener. But anyway, we should probably wrap things up. Right. We've been yapping and yapping. Holy mackerel. <laughs> right you are. Well, thanks for joining us. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a follow and tell all your friends. Until next time. Keep listening to the music that means something and always try to listen with an open mind. And communication.